the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with a unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. In just a moment, I will be joined by Michael Shermer, who is the uh, uh, host of the Science Salon podcast and a, uh, a publisher of the Skeptic magazine. Usually I do a rant here, and I wasn't going to do one today because there's really nothing that has annoyed me in the world of UFOs, but I just wanted to say I am sick of political commercials already. It's a year till the election here in the United States, and we are inundated with political ads. It's just ridiculous. One right after another. The only solution is premium channels so that we don't have to watch political ads. Now that's off my chest. I will tell you that Michael Shermer, Dr. Michael Shermer, is a founding publisher of Skeptic Magazine, the host of the Science Salon podcast, and the presidential fellow at Chapman University, where he teaches Skepticism 101. For 18 years, he was a monthly columnist for Scientific American. He is the author of New York Times bestsellers, including Why People Believe Weird Things and The Believing Brain, Why Darwin Matters, The Science of Good and Evil, and the Moral Arc. His new book, Heavens on Earth, The Scientific Search for the Afterlife, Immortality, and Utopia. Dr. Michael Shermer, welcome to A Different Perspective. Oh, well, I'm here to have a different perspective, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to see if we can convince you of some things here. Maybe maybe change your mind on one or two things. I well, I, I, was, I agreed to do this because mainly, uh, you know, you're pretty famous in UFO circles, and I thought it'd be fun to 
meet uh, meet you and talk to you uh, about these incredibly interesting topics. Well, I will tell you one thing. Normally, uh, after the program, I put up a short blurb on my blog about uh, that program and uh, a link to the um, uh, audio for it. And I put at the end of it, you know, if you have comments let, or questions for the next guest, let me know. You have garnered the most questions of anybody I've had on the program. Oh, okay. And that includes uh, people like, that's like, People like Charles Halt and Jim Pediston, and just you just name some of the names in ufology, and you've garnered the most questions. So, congratulations! Yeah, on I being have a feeling, the most have a controversial. That, it may not be a good thing. Like, how come? What is his comment about the blacked out paragraph in document such and such from 1952? You know, I don't know. No, <laughs> no these are more. These are more, much more open ended and. Oh, okay. um, good. And, and I, th I think they're, they're very fair questions, so uh, okay, we can get into that. Well, when we were, we will get to that. When we were um, kind of going back and forth in the emails about doing this, and I suggested, you know, some of the cases we could talk about, and you suggested instead talking something about the nature of evidence. And I think that's an important topic because I think too often in ufology, people are not aware of the rules of evidence or how to gather evidence or what really evidence is. So I thought, uh, there you go. Uh, run, run with that one for me. Yeah, that is a good place to start because what we all want to know is what's real, what's true. And uh, allegedly, we now live in the you know age of uh, post-truth era, uh, which I don't think is true because the fact that we're even having a discussion about truth means we're not living in a post-truth world. That is, uh, the latest issue of Skeptic, the cover story by Steven Pinker, is is on this very subject, and he starts the article by asking this question. Is the statement, we are living in a post-truth world, true? Of course, if it is, then it isn't, because we're now arguing for something being true or false, which means we're not post-truth. We are still interested in facts and evidence and what's real. Now, for me, the UFO question is a perfect example of this because we don't have any solid evidence that extraterrestrials have visited here. We don't even have evidence that there anyone else out there. You know, the so-called Fermi paradox, where is everybody? And um, so when people say they know, you know, they're, they're claiming something they know that they don't really know. Uh, now, this can take different forms. So there's uh, internal subjective truths, um, and then there's external objective truths. And what we want in science are the latter, the external objective truths. So if I say something like dark chocolate is better than milk chocolate, and you say, no, 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 milk chocolate's better than dark chocolate. Well, there's no way we're going to resolve that question, because that's a matter of internal personal uh, preferences or but actually or can't say, we sort of can't can't we sort of answer that question by by looking at the health benefits of dark chocolate as opposed to milk chocolate uh, and well, that the would, number yeah, of grams yes, of sugar yes, in it that, and that, all right. of that sort of thing yeah absolutely but that would be a different question there you're asking health benefits when i say milk chocolate's better than dark chocolate or vice versa I, i'm expressing a taste preference yes of course i i like whiskey but whiskey's you know probably a lot uh, regularly is not good <laughs> so but that's a different than a, pre a taste preference so there it, yeah so there, there that's another perfect example like when when deepak Chopra, my friend talks about the benefits of meditation and he says something like, uh, you know, meditation really works. Uh, but what does he mean by work? You know, if, if, if it's an internal thing where, like, for me, meditation works. I feel better. My headaches go away. My blood pressure is lower. I'm, I'm less stressed. That's one form of working. But when you say, does it really work? Like, could medical doctors prescribe you know, six hours of meditation per week, you know, one hour per session, or, you know, what would it be and what percentage of the population benefits from meditation, that kind of thing. So again, we're after that, you know, how do we go from an internal subjective state of being, like my headache went away when I took the placebo, to this larger question, is it really true? Do, do placebos really work? And in, in, in that case, the, the answer is yes, they do, because we have studies showing that. So the goal of science is to somehow move from these internal states. When, so, so when some somebody says, I was abducted by aliens, 
And you said, well, when did this happen? Well, it was in my bed at three in the morning. You know, was there anybody there? No, it was just me. Well, that may be true, but it may just be an internal uh, kind of a dream, a lucid dream. Well, let's, uh, let's 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 open this up a little bit differently, because when we talk about evidence, you're talking about, uh, I, I guess, internal as opposed to external. Uh, and, and there is physical evidence left behind landing, tr landing trace cases, uh, many, many of those uh, radar sightings, photographic evidence. Um, these are all types of evidence, aren't they? Yeah, evidence of something, not evidence of extraterrestrials, uh, evidence of something yet explained, uh, yet to be explained. So um, uh, uh, one way to think of it is, is um, uh, again, like if a biologist wants to announce that they've discovered a new species, they have to have a type specimen, what's called a holotype. They, they have to be able to show it to other people and go, here, here it is. So if you show up at a, a biology conference and go, hey, I've discovered a new primate, bipedal primate, say, we call it Bigfoot or whatever, but and, and biologists are going to go, well, wow, that's incredible. It's super interesting. Show us the show us the body. Well, I don't have that, but I have this pad here where you kind of call it a landing pad, a sleeping pad, you know, or some footprints or some hair. Okay, can we do a DNA test on the hair? Well, it turns out it's indistinguishable from bear hair. Okay, how do you know it's not a bear? You know, and so on. In other words. Uh, uh, you can't name a new species based on, you know, blurry photographs, grainy videos, you know, spooky things that go bump in the night, weird anomalies that are not explained by other biologists and so on. That's not enough. It's it's enough to be interested. Like, wow, that was super interesting. Go get some more data and come back. And, and when you have something, we'll be interested. So it's not that biologists are skeptical that there's a Bigfoot. It's just that no one has found one. And I would make the same application to extraterrestrials. Uh, again, if, if extraterrestrials are real, where are they? Show us. We'd like to meet them. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. You know, here's, and again, blurry photographs, grainy videos, uh, but, radar, but radar sightings. No, we have we have things that are much better than grainy uh, grainy photographs. We have some very startling photographs. We have radar sightings in which the objects were seen by outside observers in the place where they were supposedly seen. We've had jet interceptors of these objects also watched on radar. We have the Zamora case in uh, Socorro, New Mexico, where the police officer saw the object landed on the ground, and when it left, there were footprints left behind. So you've got observation of an object of some unknown origin uh, lifting off in New Mexico and and landing traces being left behind. So you have these chains of evidence that don't rely specifically on the witness, but also on um, other factors that can be measured and looked at as well. And I, and while I understand that doesn't lead you to the extraterrestrial, it does suggest that there's something other than just uh, misidentifications going on. And you're going to have to wait to answer that till right after this, because I'm up against the first break, if you can believe it already. I am here with uh, Dr. Michael Shermer, he of Skeptic Magazine. The website is www.skeptic.com or michaelshermer.com if you want to take a look at that. We will be talking about uh, some UFOs and the levels of evidence needed to, I guess, impress the scientific community and some of the skeptics and see if we can learn something that uh, we all can come to grips with. My website is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and the book is Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounters in the Desert, which is about the Socorro Landing. We will be back right after this, so please stick around. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. 
yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Shamanic healing is the key to personal empowerment. Why? All four levels of our being, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, must be addressed for us to enjoy balanced, healthy, abundant lives. Yet there are few provisions for spiritual or energetic healing. Shamanism, found at the root of all cultures, is a very effective spiritual healing modality. To find quality shamanic healing you can trust, regardless of where you live, look no further than find your Path Home Long Distance Shamanic Healing Program. All Path Home Long Distance Healing Practitioners have been trained and certified through Path Home Shamanic Art School. Change your life. Live abundantly. Schedule a long distance shamanic healing session with Wilda Wiecka or one of her quality practitioners today at findyourpathhome.com. I am here with Michael Shermer. We were talking, I guess, about types of evidence. And when we went away, I posed quite a um, long treatise, I suppose, about uh, blinding traces, for example, witness testimony that goes along with this radar cases where we have uh, pilots seeing the objects where the radar said they were and that sort of thing. Those are all forms of evidence, obviously. Um, is, there, is there something more that you want other than me showing up with a alien creature? Well, you'd have to do that for me to be convinced there was extraterrestrial because the radar traces could be something terrestrial. In fact, when you ask the, the kind of Hume question, the what's more likely question, you know, Hume wrote a treatise on miracles and he asked us to ask what's more likely that the laws of nature are suspended or that something people think that they witnessed is actually better explained by something else more common within the laws of nature. So there, are, I would say, it's far more likely that the radar trace, the landing pad, the the, th the lights in the sky that people uh, saw represent something terrestrial, uh, experimental aircraft. We, we know that like 90 to 95% of all UFO sightings, even by pro-UFO people like yourself, are fully explained by terrestrial things. So we're sort of left with this problem of, of anomalies. What do you do with that five to 10% of sightings that are not explained by anything? And this is a kind of a broader problem in science. You know, what do you do with anomalies? And sometimes anomalies build up enough that the mainstream paradigm uh, shifts. It, it, you know, the, the old theory doesn't explain it well enough and a new theory emerges that explains all the, the stuff that the old theory explained and the anomalies that the old theory couldn't explain. And that's some progress in science that way. So um, until we have something like that, the, the answer is you don't have to do anything with the anomalies. You, 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 you try to answer them the best you can, but there are always unexplained anomalies in every field. I mean, like I've been recently writing about alternative archaeology. 
And, you know, there's dozens and dozens of alternative theories of who built the pyramids and the Sphinx and who discovered America first and, you know, on and on and on. And they're all premised, they're all based on these anomalies that, like, the mainstream archaeologists can't explain, let's say, the erosion of the Sphinx. This is a big point. Or, you know, how the Egyptians moved those big blocks that weigh, you know, tens of tons or hundreds of tons each. How could they have done that without modern technology and so on? These are anomalies that, you know, mainstream archaeologists are comfortable with because they have some ideas. Well, maybe they moved them up these dirt ramps and they had a lot of cheap labor and so on. But maybe not. Maybe there's something else we just don't know yet. Before you go to, you know, the aliens built the pyramids or some super advanced, uh, some super advanced civilization that's ancient built the pyramids or whatever. And so all fields are are full of these anomalies and. You know, the question is, what do you do with them? And UFOs, the UFO field has tons of these anomalies. And again, I think the default position should be, let's start with terrestrial explanations. We're going to end up with 5 to 10% that we can't explain by terrestrial explanations. Before you go to extraterrestrial, let's keep working on it. Because that is the near miracle type explanation where you have to just go to this place where, again, the, if it were true, it would be, you know, the most spectacular in the history of discovery, in the history of science. That would be great. It would be, it, it would be you know, Sagan said he'd love it to be true. I'd love it to be true. But in order to do that, we really need, like you said, the actual alien body. There it is. Well, you know, not- one of the questions that had been posed to me was, um, posed to you actually through me, was, uh, about you simply not believing that we've been visited by extraterrestrials. I think you've answered that pretty well without even me having to pose the question. Yeah, I don't think we have, no. Not, but, I, but, 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 but just, just to be clear, I think it's very likely that there are extraterrestrials out there somewhere. And I hear I just follow the kind of SETI logic of the law of large numbers. You know, you have 100 billion stars in our galaxy. Pretty much every one of them has planets. And maybe one out of 10 of those have Earth-like planets. So you're going to get, you know, a, a billion Earth-like planets in our galaxy alone. There's 100 billion galaxies. Come on. what a, Copernican principle says we're not special. So I, I follow I follow that logic perfectly, you know, that, that there's probably some somebody out there. And I don't, I don't mean just bacterial-grade life like on Mars or something like that. That is surely true everywhere. But, you know, the, the great filter works, uh, grinds along, and you don't end up with very many. And there's a lot of empty space between the stars. So I think we haven't encountered them simply by um, the, the amount of empty space there is and how long it takes to move anywhere. Anyway, that's... Wait, that's but but you're, you're suggesting that, of course, the space travel is limited by the speed of light. Yep, that's and, right. <laughs> and, there isn't, and there isn't a way of defeating that barrier such as wormholes or something like that, that we have no physical concept of at this time, which of course is not answering the question, are we visited by extraterrestrials? Well, there's wormholes. Well, we don't know that, so that's really not a a legitimate, uh, well, it's sort of a legitimate argument, but not a good one. Um, Well, well, to to, to be fair to to my my own critics uh, in in science, the Fermi paradox is is based on just one one slightly more uh, technical argument there, that you only need one, civilization to start exploring the cosmos and in the course of i think the calculation was like 10 million years they would have populated the entire milky way galaxy enough that we would definitely have encountered them even if it's not them biological extraterrestrial intelligence it could be you know they could be computers or robots or self-replicating robots or something like that Um, they would have been here by now so where are they and that's called the Fermi paradox. There's, there's a well, book about yes. this. Called, yes, and, and, yeah. and we're all aware of the Fermi paradox. And the answer, the, the question would be, well, they're here because we've seen them already. But that's really not quite the but, but, but what is your explanation for wh- why they aren't more prominent? I mean, is it like a, they use a cloaking device? They have a prime directive? Oh, I would uh, think that I would think the, the vast distances is the, the limiting factor here. I would think that that you don't have the number of visitations that people demand simply because of the technological difficulties of getting here and the amount of treasure that has to be spent to uh, finance if they do that sort of thing in the alien environment to, to get here. I, I mean, I, I I think that if we've been visited, it's a very limited number of visitations. I think Carl Sagan had argued at one point we could expect one extraterrestrial visit every 10,000 years. 
And my question to him would have been, when do you start counting? Because if I was an extraterrestrial visitor and I showed up at the time of the Egyptians for my one in 10,000 years visit, I've suddenly found a uh, growing civilization, granted a not technologically advanced civilization, but a civilization which I would think would inspire additional visits. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, that's, and that's that was the thing. And it, it, that, that, that seems reasonable to me. And you can go back millions of years and still be within a, a reasonable time window because evolution happens so slowly that, you know, our Earth has been around 4.6 billion years. So even if they arrived 10 million years ago first and then they came once every 10,000 years or something, that'd be a lot of visits. But the question is, why, why is the evidence not better? Why is it always in that category of anomalies that could be something else we just can't quite tell? Well, I'll, I'll argue that point with you, and I will use the Level Land case for it, which is uh, the landings that took place around Level Land, Texas in November of 1957. Multiple witnesses, independent witnesses, uh, the UFO interacting with the environment, stopping their car engines, dimming their lights, filling their radios with static until the object moved away and then the radios came back on, the lights brightened up, and they could start their cars again. Multiple witnesses, multiple locations, all around Leveland, Texas, over a period of an hour, hour and a half. The problem is, the Air Force was so busy arguing that there is no alien visitation and doing everything they could to belittle the, uh, the, the sightings, and NICAP, the civilian organization that was investigating, was so busy arguing with the Air Force about the number of visits that proper investigation was really not conducted. And I think that's part of the problem why we haven't gotten better evidence is simply because we had all these personal agendas going on and somehow the investigation got lost in the, uh, in the muck that way. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second because I, I, I agree that, that you know, governments lie to their citizens. This we know for sure. <laughs> I mean, between the Pentagon Papers and, and the WikiLeaks, um, we, we, do we really we, need do we really need that with white Dwight Eisenhower saying we don't spy on the Soviets with you too? <laughs> oh, here's Gary Powers right over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is an interesting uh, question. The 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 you know WikiLeaks um, releases of you know millions and millions of documents. Not one document in there uh, about you know Roswell or UFOs of the landings of the aliens or or, or anything like that. Alien bodies in Area 51. Nothing. Uh, here, to me, the evidence of ab absence of evidence in the WikiLeaks about UFOs is evidence of absence. That is, they're not here. They're not. And um, and although some a lot of politicians lie and, and dissemble and so on, we have Clinton, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, when I became president, I looked into the Roswell thing. I really did." And he was, I think, he was on Jimmy Kimmel. Is like, but would you tell us? He said, "Yeah, I would. I really would tell you if we knew." And you know, nothing. So. Again, enough of these things that, if it were true, should have come out. Um, I use this example, by the way, with the 9-11 truthers, although I'm not equating you with them. Uh, Thank you. That, yeah, the 9-11 truthers, you know, they're convinced that the Bush administration had, you know, they either knew that it was going to happen or they made it happen, the, the, the you know, lie hop or my hop. And, but, but in WikiLeaks, again, millions of documents, not one memo, not one letter, not one order, nothing about... You know, we knew 9-11 was going to happen or, or you know, we, the, the operatives of the of the CIA or the FBI or, you know, planted bombs inside the World Trade Center building. Nothing. So to me, that's evidence of absence. That is. Well, let me interrupt you here because we'll yeah. have to come back. To that. I'm going to take a break uh, oh, real yeah. quick here. Yeah. I'm talking with Dr. Michael Schirmer. He of Skeptic Magazine. And you can find that at www.skeptic.com. And his website is michaelschirmeroneword.com. Uh, I'm at uh, www.kevin.com randall.blogspot.com and when we get back uh, we're going to explore this lack of evidence and uh, what the possibilities suggest there with the, the leaks that have been going on so uh, stick around we'll have some good discussion on the uh, flip side skeptic or a believer 
Join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. I am visiting with Michael Shermer, he of Skeptic Magazine and a number of other skeptical things. When we left, he was mentioning WikiLeaks and how the document dump of, I guess, literally millions of documents didn't show any UFO-related documents. So my question would be, well, we know there are classified documents, and they've come out since WikiLeaks, documents talking about UFOs. We know that uh, there have been classified pro programs that dealt with UFOs for, for years. Um, and I'm not talking Blue Book. I'm talking uh, uh, Project Moondust, for example, which was designed to recover returning space debris of foreign manufacturer or, or unknown origin. And we know there was a UFO component because some of the documents talked about UFOs. So when you say that there was nothing in the WikiLeaks documents, it might be that he just didn't had didn't have access to the proper classified files because we know there are documents out there that relate to UFOs. Yeah, that, that's true. That that's a good point. Uh, although I would point out, let me just ask you something. Since you're the Ros, you're the man about Roswell, um, I, I include this little thing in, in a, a course I, I taught for on on conspiracy theories. Uh, a, in 1967, a pro ufologist named Ted Bleeker published a report titled UFO Wave of 1947, which chronicled 853 UFO reports. Roswell wasn't even on the list. Think about that. Actually, actually <laughs> yeah. I think the, the report you're talking about was, was a survey of a, a lot of um, newspaper articles. Yeah. And, there, and he mentioned, he does mention Roswell, but he, he puts it in the category of a hoax. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Because yeah, so to, to me, the I mean, we published an article in Skeptic on this by um, uh, Duke Gillen, Gildenberg. Do you know him? B.D. Duke Gildenberg. He worked for Project Mogul. And uh, he kind of tracks that whole story, which is super interesting to me because, yes, the government did lie about what was going on, you know, that we were spying on the Soviets and listening for their acoustic traces of, a, of nuclear tests. Uh, in case they they were doing that, and you know that's the kind of thing that the government would lie to us about. Not that they were hiding extraterrestrials, but well, that... there's two there's two problems with that. Yeah. Number one is Dr. Albert Crary, who was the leader of the university, uh, New York University Balloon Project in New Mexico at the time, kept field notes and a diary, and the only missing uh, launch of, a, of one of his mogul balloons although they didn't call it the mogul balloons at the time, although they did know the name mogul, said that they didn't launch it on June 4th because of clouds. They were not allowed to fly the balloons at night 
or in cloudy weather because these huge arrays were considered a hazard to aerial navigation. So if they didn't launch a balloon on June 4th, which would have been the date that they would have had to launch it, then there couldn't have been a balloon that fell in the, uh, on the Brazel Ranch, the Foster Ranch, and therefore that explanation doesn't work. Yeah, you know that picture of Major Jesse Marcel holding the, you know, foil. Oh, he's he's holding he's holding the parts of a Raywin radar reflector, and you can see the envelope in the balloon in in the background, but that's not okay. local. Okay, so you don't you don't think that's evidence of an extraterrestrial that picture? No, the only the only thing that comes out of those pictures is the Ramey memo, the document that uh, General Ramey is holding in his hand when J. Bon Johnson took the photographs. Yeah, and there's been, and 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 if you blow it up large enough, you can actually read parts of it. You can't read all of it because of the way it's being <laughs> yeah, held and yeah. the folds in it. Yeah. Um, and there's been multiple attempts to read the document, and I, I think some very good science has been applied to that in the in the way it's being done and the way they're trying to enhance it to to read it. But um, I don't think that's ever going to come to to any great uh, conclusion there. I think it's just just beyond science, and, the, and and I don't think we'll ever have the technology to be able to read it. But it's clear that Jesse Marcel is holding a balloon. But Jesse Mar Marcel also said on a number of occasions when he was shown those pictures, said, that's not the stuff I brought from Roswell. Yeah. Well, so this is a good example, that the Roswell and then the case, the, the Texas case you discussed before the break, uh, that, uh, again, we, had, we you can have a lot of people seeing something and agreeing like yeah we saw this thing and it did this that, that and the other they may disagree somewhat because eyewitness accounts are not reliable but we can agree something there's some anomaly there's something weird going there was on no here. question is, there was no question that something fell at roswell we all agree on that point something right. fell so again what's more likely that it's it's something terrestrial or something extraterrestrial absolutely something terrestrial is much more likely yeah. However, no no terrestrial explanation has been found. If you go to the Air Force report that they did it, and I've talked to Colonel Weaver a number of times, who was the leader of the Air Force investigation in the 1990s on it, they eliminated everything. They eliminated missiles well, from White Sands, yeah. which we had already done. We'd already done. They missed. They they uh, um, eliminated aircraft accidents and all kinds of experiments in that fashion. And when it came down, they said, "Well, we we lean toward Project Mogul, but the documentation doesn't support that." And the idea that Mogul was highly classified and the absolute it's absolutely true that the um, what they wanted to do the the flying of the spy balloons was certainly classified but what was going on in new mexico wasn't classified and pictures of the mogul balloons and the arrays appeared in the newspapers on july 10th 1947 proving that it wasn't the great classified things that that was going on uh crary and uh, professor moore who i talked to been in his home a couple of times uh told me that they had gone to roswell to elicit the help of the 509th bomb group and that Crary in his diary mentions that he had uh, stopped off at the airbase a number of times to fill his vehicles with gasoline because they were using vehicles that they had drawn from the motor pool at uh, Alamogordo Army Airfield. So the idea that the guys at the 509th had no knowledge of Project Mogul is untrue. The diary of Crary, which was written in 1947, mentioned Mogul at least three times. So they knew the name of the project. So this idea was highly classified simply doesn't work and there was no launch on june 4th the 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 flight was canceled yeah, that, it says that, right that, in the diary yeah that one well gildenberg doesn't mention that he worked on this well there's project. a surprise well and my question my question here's my question are you sure here's my about question. that here's my question here's my question uh if the documentation supports the skeptical point of view um you guys endorse it. But if it doesn't support your point of view, you ignore it. Well, no, and no, I'm thinking, that, not, I'm not thinking ignore, the documentation, just... the documentation that shows Mogul didn't fly is ignored frequently by those who are proposing that there's a terrestrial explanation for Roswell. I'm merely saying Mogul doesn't work. I don't know what fell at Roswell. I'm just saying I know of no terrestrial explanation, including Mogul, that works. Well, here's what Gildenberg writes. Throughout June and July of 1947, Professor Moore's NYU team launched mogul balloons from Alamogordo Air Force, while another NYU group launched similar balloon clusters out of Colorado, generating more UFO reports. Several of the early Alamogordo flights were preliminary tests. 
did not carry classified hardware and were never recovered by mogul personnel. One such Absolutely flight, true. One such flight launched in early June came down on a Roswell area sheep ranch and created one of the most enduring mysteries of the century. Review of the project review of the project records has identified that flight with a very high degree of certainty as Mogul flight number 4 launched on June 4th. Analyzing newly available weather data and following the lead of Professor Moore, I have also linked a later Mogul flight launched on July 7th to the legend. The gear known to have been on this particular flight was described almost exactly in a famous telegram to J. Edgar Hoover, which is quoted without comment in most pro-alien Roswell literature. Close quote. See, and that's and that's misleading. That's untrue because if you take a look at the documentation, and this is my point precisely, if you look at the documentation, Dr. Crary's uh, field notes and his later uh, official notes show there was no flight on June 4th. Flight number four was canceled. The first successful flight, according to the documentation from the New York University um, uh, reports that were made and Dr. Crary's field notes, and Dr. Crary being the leader of the um, uh, experiments in New Mexico, not, not Professor Moore, but, but uh, Dr. Crary, he says there's no flight. The flight was canceled because of clouds. Mm -hmm. So if the flight was, and that's my point, if the flight was canceled, we have the documentation showing the flight is canceled. Why do not the skeptics accept that? This is the first I've heard of that, so I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm going ba based on the guy who worked on the project. Okay, let's talk about Charles Moore, because that's important. He worked on the project. If you take a look at the documentation he, 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 he provides, if you look at his analysis of the Winsloff data and where the flight went, he tells us first that it had to be launched at, at, at dawn on June 4th. But a weather system went through at about that time, which changed the winds aloft data. So he then says, well, the flight took off at the 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning. That was in violation of the CAA regulations under which they operated. They could not fly or launch those balloons at night. It says right there in the documentation, they can't fly it. And Crary says the flight was canceled. Therefore, there was no flight. Okay, let's assume that's true. So, so what? I've eliminated so, mogul as an explanation. Is what is what? Yeah, but 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 then but then what? Where do you, how do you get extraterrestrial from? There? I don't. Oh, you don't. I don't. So if you take a look, if you take a look at Roswell, if you take a look at Roswell in the 21st century, my conclusion is I can't I can't find a terrestrial explanation for it. But that does not take us to the extraterrestrial because there still might be something hidden that we don't know about and we have not found. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it could be. But I will say this, I have no explanation, and we've looked at everything, and, I, and I, when I say we, Don Schmidt and I and others have gone to White Sands, I've got a complete list of all the rocket launches at the proper time from White Sands to see if anything was missing. We've been to uh, the various military archives to see if aircraft accidents could account for it or something else could account for it, and we found nothing. I'm going to have to uh, interrupt myself here because I'm going to have to take a break because I'm getting excited about this discussion because I'm enjoying it the heck out of it. I am here with Michael Shermer. He's at www.skeptic.com, michaelshermer.com, and I am at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Can't even get my own site right. We will be back with the final segment with Dr. Shermer right after this, so please stick around. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. 
Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not so secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. I am joined by Michael Shermer, he of Skeptic Magazine, and we were having a rousy discussion, at least I was having a rousing discussion, of um, the mogul explanation for Roswell. And uh, my question had been, and I don't know if, I don't know if you answered it or, uh, or not, but the idea is we have the documentation that sort of proves Mogul was not responsible for what fell at the Roswell Ranch. Okay, and, so let's and, let's just take that as a given, and and where do you go from there? Really, it doesn't doesn't lead anywhere other than well, okay, so Mogul isn't the terrestrial explanation. Maybe it's something else. And you say, well, maybe it isn't. It's like okay. No, I agree that the uh, you know. Not having a good terrestrial explanation doesn't get us to the extraterrestrial. And I said that in the in, in my book on Roswell in the 21st century, that we've eliminated the terrestrial, terrestrial explanations as we know them at the moment that have been postulated, although too many in the skeptical community 
seem to have accepted Mogul without the critical review that it, that demanded. Now, I well, guess that's I, really I was, the question. I was not aware of the piece of information uh, about the launch not being made because of the weather. Anyway, I will inculcate that into my repertoire of Roswell explanations. But the larger problem we still have is just on the extraterrestrial visitations in general. Um, you know, back to where we began, uh, to, you know, to convince not just me, but any scientist, um, you know, you really need some physical evidence, something that, you know, I can see, you can see, you know, we can take it to a conference, we can photograph, it's in the newspaper, it's in a peer-reviewed journal, it's in a museum, you know, that, that it's just like anything, anything else that we're sure is, is true, you know, like naming a new species, you know, here's the type specimen, oh, there it is, you know, it's like, it's like the, um, you know, cryptozoologists make a big deal about, you know, the mountain gorilla wasn't discovered until 1903, I think it was. And there was this other large mammal discovered in Vietnam in like 1960 something that we didn't know about. So, yeah. OK, so what? Well, therefore, there might be a Bigfoot. Yeah, there might be. I mean, at one point, hundreds of thousands of years ago, there were many bipedal primates, you know, hominids running around the world. And we ended up, we were the last one standing, you know, Neanderthals went extinct about 35,000 years ago. So yes, it's possible, but where are they? You can't well, just let's, say let's, because it's possible. Let's drag, let's, true. Yeah. let's drag this back to the UFOs. Are there any UFO cases that you find particularly interesting? Well, uh, <laughs> they're all interesting, but not just remember what the U means. It just means unidentified. I mean, I've seen UFOs, but, but I just assume, well, like some, sometimes I figure out what they are. Sometimes I don't, I just assume it's something terrestrial, you know, and, and end of story, the mystery is fun, but I don't want to take it too far because it's so unlikely. And the more I study like the cold war and what our own government and the Russian government were, were up to, you know, the more likely I think that these things are probably something to do with military or spine or, you know, some technology we don't yet know about. You know, the stuff when we find out about, you know, decades after the fact, like the U-2 spy plane or, or the SR-71 Blackbird and these sorts of things, it's like, that's incredible technology. Uh, and, you know, I didn't know that was going on and, you know, that we were doing this and that and the other you know, in, in all this business about Russian hacking of the 2016 election, for example. Well, you know, we were hacking all sorts of elections in the 1970s and 80s in South American countries. You know, that's the kind of stuff. So our government does do nefarious things for sure. All well, let's let's do. drag this. But, drag this that back doesn't mean extra Let's drag this back to UFOs, because um, my Ph.D. dissertation was done on the belief structure influencing the identification of ambiguous stimuli. Oh, interesting. Which means basically if you saw a strange light in the distance and you uh, were into ghosts in the paranormal in that uh, realm, you would uh, identify it as a ghost. If you were into UFOs, you would identify it as a UFO. In your case, um, your belief structure suggests, well, it's not a, a UFO meaning a alien spacecraft, but you identified it in some fashion as terrestrial, even though um, you couldn't identify its specific source. Yeah, so I like that, that that you did that. That's an interesting interpretation. I would agree with that. You know, the paradigm kind of determines what you're you're seeing when when this when the stimulation is ambiguous, when you can't quite make it out. You know, what you think it might be is going to influence it. When it's super clear, then again, we've shifted from internal states to external states, some from subjective truths to objective truths that anyone can see. That's that's a UFO right there. It's standing right there in front of me. I can touch it photograph it, take it apart, you know, back engineer it, whatever that, that we know for sure. But until then, you know, I think skept, the skeptical position, that is the, the default position is the burden of proof is on the claimant. Otherwise, oh, absolutely. Gonna, Nobody's yeah. not, I, I, I've never, I've never argued against that point of view that if you tell me something unusual, uh, I found Bigfoot, I've seen UFOs. Yeah. Prove it to me. I, you know, what do you have in the way of evidence? I, I understand that completely, but I also kind of wonder about the idea that when does when does empirical evidence uh, replace anecdotal evidence? Because an awful lot of times, the UFO sightings and the people people relating the information, including those when when they've seen the object land and there's landing traces left behind, or there's radar traces and Air Force pilots have intercepted them, the idea is well we can dismiss that because that anecdotal te testimony that's anecdotal it doesn't uh, doesn't lead us anywhere. Well, well, is there a point where that yeah. where the anecdotal testimony reaches sort of an empirical status? 
Yeah, here, again, using an analogy, like in, in medicine, uh, you know, 100 anecdotes are no better than one, 1,000 anecdotes are no, no better than 100, because we need to know the cases where it didn't work. You know, so alternative medicine people always, you know, have testimonials, you know, so-and-so, you know, I had 100 people try my thing, and, and they got better. Well, what about the 100 that tried it that didn't get better? You know, we, we have to know what that is as well. Now, that's, it's not a perfect analogy for what you're talking about, but, you know, to, to shift from, you know, 100 people saw something, that, 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 what that tells us is that it's probably not an internal hallucination or sleep paralysis or lucid dream or something like that. Clearly, 100 people are not all hallucinating. They saw something. But the question is what? So that's why I kind of like the shift you guys are making toward, you know, uh, um, what is it, UAPs, what uh, unexplained aerial phenomenon rather than UFOs. Because UFOs has become, in pop culture, so equated with aliens, extraterrestrials, that that's where everybody goes when they hear that word. So UAP is just, well, it's just something unexplained that was in the atmosphere, aerial uh, phenomenon of some kind. Now what? Well, okay, let's keep looking for terrestrial explanations and remember it's always okay to say i don't know well yeah that's exactly right and 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 too often the skeptics and i'm thinking donald menzel here specifically never said i don't know he was even arguing with clyde tombaugh the discoverer of pluto about uh, tombaugh's ufo sighting and menzel was telling him what he saw and i'm thinking okay we got menzel who's at harvard and we got tombaugh who's making the observation in new mexico who am i going to believe i'm going to go believe uh, tombaugh because both are highly trained astronomers. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well, of course, we don't want to go down the uh, argument from authority. Who has the higher authority or who's a better observer? Oh. Something like that. Uh, again, we can wait. But kind I of would think it. the guy who was on the scene making the observation would be yes. much more qualified yeah. than sure. the guy in, sitting in his observatory at Harvard. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see your point. Yes, of course, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm just kind of reading the Wikipedia page about you that you've kind of, as you've gotten older, you've, you've become more skeptical. That's interesting. Um, I wonder why that is. Is that because you, you've kind of uh, had experience of, of a lot of what seemed like extraterrestrial uh, and ended up being explained by something terrestrial, and therefore you're more inclined to move in that direction? Or I've become better educated, or my Air Force experience and my Army experience as an intelligence officer uh, convinced me that sometimes people just don't know what they've seen. Uh, you know, I, I look at the I look at the body of evidence, and I and I say, you know, there's some good good things that suggest that there may be uh, alien visitation. The 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 um, capability of the craft, as they were reported by people, understanding of course that people are terrible observers and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but also uh, things when it's when it's corroborated by radar. Uh, there's two movies that were taken in the 1950s that the the Air Force managed to dismiss that I think are 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 interesting in and of themselves. One taken in Montana, and I bring that one up specifically because it is clear from the documentation the Air Force altered the uh, film once they got it. Mm. They took off they 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 cut off a portion of it. They admit to uh, taking out one frame because the sprockets were damaged. But if you take a look at the evidence of when the film was taken and the length of the film, you can see that there's much more missing than than just the the one frame. And I look at that, and there's no way that the guy that took the photo uh, took the the movie, um, Nick Mariana, could have faked that in 1950, um, a movie in 1950. That he just didn't have the capability. Unlike today, where every kid in his um, computer can do it. And, uh, but, and you're likewise skeptical of the alien autopsy film. Oh, this completely and totally a hoax. The people admitted it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, now, Michael, and, I'm going to have to. I'm gonna, oh, we have to. We have to go. Okay. Yes. You were going to ask. Is it? Oh, I was gonna, uh, if you put any weight into the ancient alien hypothesis. No. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I studied anthropology as an undergraduate. <laughs> okay. Very good. Um, <laughs> See, you're I've been. We're not that far apart, I think. No, I don't think so at all. I, I just think that, you know, it's, it, I think it's an interesting discussion as well, and I've, I've enjoyed uh, having you on the program. Well, thanks, uh, guys. As I say, you know, it's uh, www.skeptic.com, michaelshermer.com. Michael Shermer, thank you for taking the time to share your opinions with us today. You're welcome. And, and I didn't even get to half the questions that, this, that the uh, readers sent to me. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do a, I'll be a returning champion on your podcast. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking to 
uh, Ryan Wood, he of MJ-12 fame, uh, UFO crash fame, and he's uh, complaining about Wikipedia sort of deleting the kind of pro-UFO articles and uh, maintaining a more skeptical attitude on there and thinking it's unfair, and we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about um, his MJ-12 research. The following week... Um, I will be having on John Burroughs, which came about strangely, but we will have John Burroughs talking about Bentwaters once again. I will be back in 167 hours, so um, hang around waiting for us to, to show up or just tune in when we get a chance. Thank you for listening.